there's chaos all around you. And when things are moving so fast, as a, as a business leader and as a communications leader, you have constant decisions to make hour by hour throughout the day. And sometimes you are balancing conflicting interests and the best way to figure out how to balance those and where to emphasize is looking at your values as a company or, or as a brand. When in doubt, put the emphasis on how are we genuinely helping and what actions are we taking? How do we do the right thing? And let's worry later about getting credit for it, if at all. This is the award-winning Proco 360 podcast, connecting people who love Colorado with stories and lessons of Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. All my guests believe that Colorado is different, that success feels different here. That's why Proco 360's tagline is live, work, love Colorado. This is a special episode. We're in the midst of the coronavirus and I'll be speaking with Paul Rabb, managing partner at Linhart PR. We'll be talking about crisis communication, and normally that's defined as, and it's got a quote around it, a subspecialty of PR designed to protect and defend an organization facing a public challenge to its reputation, end quote. That's not really what's happening now in the face of this COVID-19. What's happening really is that virtually every company must engage in the midst of a crisis in a conversation about it with its employees, its customers, and other stakeholders. And we're struggling with this. We're grappling with what to say, with how to say it, and how to speak in helpful ways that support our brand and our values. And Paul's here as a seasoned PR pro with many notable national clients to share his views. So Paul, with that lead in, thanks for joining me on Proco 360. Dave, you're welcome. Glad to be here. It, um, I think it's a timely and important conversation to have, so I appreciate it. And, you know, when people think about crisis communications, they probably think of a lot of things. What's it mean to you, particularly relative to what we're dealing with right now with the coronavirus? I think a lot of it has to do with providing the information that different stakeholders need and providing them with a degree of reassurance without going too far and, and giving them false confidence and, and false hope. What we're seeing, Dave, is, is clients, communications leaders dealing with just an unprecedented situation, volatility, uncertainty, things moving incredibly fast, employees who are concerned about their health and their jobs. And we're also seeing uh, public health dictates changing the way that companies yeah. deliver their products and services. Mm. So it's a it's an incredible situation, but the clients that we see are bearing up very well. Yeah. We're going to dig into all of that. You gave a nice outline, actually, for uh -huh. our interview with that. Uh, you know, in the lead into, I mentioned that I'd like listeners to be better able to communicate during this crisis, but better depends on what you want to do, what you want to achieve. And that hugely varies with the company and really its objectives, right? Right. Yeah, very much so. Um, uh, in some instances over the past week, we have been working with companies, clients who literally need to explain to their customers how to access what it is that, that the company provides. In other cases, we're dealing with and assisting clients who need to provide their workforce, their factory workforce with assurance that it's safe to come to work and continue meeting client commitments. Yeah, and you said there are some universal approaches to good crisis communications. Talk about those. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, there are a few things. One is proactivity. This is such a fast-moving thing, and it's 
almost impossible to get ahead of it. You may not be able to get ahead of it, but you at least have to stay even and make sure you're mm -hmm. providing the information and direction that your stakeholders need. Second thing is uh, make sure that you are anticipating the information and and questions and concerns that your that your stakeholders have, and think not only about the questions that they have, but what are their needs? What do they really need from the organization at this time? Mm -hmm. Dave, you said at the top that part of what crisis communications is about is what to say and how to say it. It's also about what to do. Mm. It's it's not just about explaining what you're doing, but let's make make thoughtful choices about how we can really help. And then a final piece is values. Values, the, the values of your company or your brand should be kind of the North Star, the compass mm -hmm. to guide you. And that should, that should inform your communication strategy. Got it. So, all right, let's jump into the coronavirus scenarios now. You've got clients and in fact, we're, we're ready to go here and you were out in your car talking to a client uh, who's dealing with, with uh, a crisis right now. Talk about a few different examples that would exemplify sort of like different kinds of companies that are dealing with different kinds of challenges right now. Sure. I will, uh, I will start with a manufacturing client that we are serving. They have uh, plants in seven states, 1,300 employees coast to coast, and they are making a product that is flying off the shelves right now. Mm. They are making the things that, that uh, are flying out of grocery stores. And so now is a critical time for them. Their customers are expecting that they will be there with the, uh, with the product, but their employees are questioning whether it's safe to come to work. And so what we have been helping them do is to explain to employees, here are all the things that we are doing way above and beyond our normal safety protocols, all the things that we're doing to help make sure you stay safe in the workplace. Uh, I won't get into the, to the list, yeah. but this is, this is where the question of balance comes in. And that's also a part of crisis communications. The, the key value of this company is, is safety but a uh, another value is meeting customer commitments, mm. and those two values need to be in in balance in the way that you communicate. Well, you also mentioned earlier in our conversation that it's not just what you say; it is what you do, and then communicating. So this notion of doing, you know, you you mentioned you were just saying that there's like a list of things that they're doing, and then they're explaining that to their to their team. Have they had to figure out differently and different from other companies? Is that part of crisis management? Is like, here's what we do and how, and how do they figure that out so fast? Well, a lot of it is relying on expert advice. Many of the clients that we're assisting are paying microscopically close attention to information coming out every minute of every day from CDC and also from state and local health authorities. And in some cases, companies have to respond to the guidance and directives of, mm -hmm. of uh, local and state health authorities. We have a, we have a uh, client in the education services business. They provide both classroom education and online education. They're in 19 different mm. Western states. They have, have very quickly had to shift from part classroom, yeah, part yeah. online to all Entirely. online. Mm -hmm. And they've done that. They have turned on a dime mm -hmm. to do that. 
you've dealt with a lot of folks in the restaurant industry. That's a huge, huge challenge right now. So when we come back, I'm going to ask you about that. And you can maybe share an example of what, how you would take a look at it. Listeners, this is the award-winning Proco 360 podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Paul Rabb of Linhart PR on the timely and important subject of crisis communications. Hey, first, a special thanks to Click Studios, a web development company that has expanded to Colorado. My friends there wanted to support this special episode. And thanks to our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, the law firm of Holland and Hart, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. All these great organizations support Colorado business and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. So Paul, getting back to my uh, my next question, which has to do with, I think what we're all reading about in the paper, which is the restaurant industry. I mean, if you're if you're running a restaurant company, uh, restaurant business, what kinds of crisis communications can you do? It just is bad. You know, Dave, there's been a fortuitous trend uh, in the restaurant industry, especially in fast casual in recent years. And I know, as a close observer of that of that industry, you you have followed it, and that is the shift from the percentage of on premise dining, dining room dining to off-premise dining. Over the past week or so, that proportion has shifted from, in some cases, 50-50 to 100% off-premise. Yeah, yeah. And so not unlike the education client I referenced, our restaurant clients are, are well-positioned, fortunately, mm. to meet consumer demand and to keep people working by shifting on a dime yeah. from a mix of on-premise to off-premise, opening up that, that second kitchen, that back kitchen for... Uh, uh, carry out yeah. or pickup orders, and also uh, delivery. Delivery obviously is going to be huge for restaurants in uh, in this crisis, and they are moving as rapidly as they yeah. can to optimize their ability to do that. Getting getting on to things like message and tone when communicating, and and things that leaders ought to be thinking about. You know, in a in a crisis, companies are really worried about, and you mentioned this earlier, about how they look, about their brand. How should a company think about that, um, particularly in context maybe with the, the coronavirus? Yeah. I think the most important thing is is clarity, making sure that with your various stakeholders who sometimes have different information yeah. needs, that you're being clear about what the situation is, what actions you're taking, what actions you would like them to take. For hmm. example, what do you need to do as, a, as an employee to help hmm. keep yourself safe on the job and, and at home as well? So clarity, credibility, and, and authenticity, making sure that you don't lose that in your haste to communicate. And then finally, staying in touch with values, as I said. Yeah. Well, there are different stakeholders typically within a scenario like this. What if there's a conflict? I mean, shareholders might want something different than employees want. I mean, what about a company that says, we're going to continue to pay our employees even though they can't be working? And you got shareholders saying, huh, not so fast. So how did, I guess that comes back to the question of values, right? Within a company? It does come back to the question of values. That's that's exactly right. And an enlightened management team in a publicly owned company needs to be able to strike that balance and remember the long-term yeah, view. Yeah. You can keep employees working in order to help them, even though you might be putting their their health at risk. And maybe that does benefit shareholders, but it doesn't benefit you in the long-term yeah. because if employees lose trust, then you're in big trouble. 
Trust is trust is what it's all about. Trust within whatever segment you want to be speaking to in this particular case, right? And and, and, goes, and with whatever audience yeah. or stakeholder yeah. group, uh, multiple that that you need to to be yeah. communicating with. So more on messaging. I mean, it seems to me that companies worry about being too direct sometimes. That being too direct is risky. That might even expose them to liability. And then on the other side, being bland and vague seems to just aggravate an audience and even backfire. But is being bland and vague safer than being direct in messaging? Being direct is better, especially in a situation like like this. As I said a minute ago, clarity is is key. And if you need to be direct uh, to communicate to employees or shareholders or customers what the situation is and and what steps you're taking to address it, directness is the is the best mm-hmm. way. This is not the time. Yeah to be bland or to worry about word choice or, or legal liability mm. based on your communications. Yeah. It doesn't, so here's what it strikes me though, is that, that um, companies kind of get a free pass on this one when it comes to crisis communications, because normally crisis communications is a problem they caused, like an oil spill. And now you got to figure it out, right? And you got to figure out how to manage, like how much blame do you want to take versus that. In this case, like it's not their fault. You just have to carry on. Is it? Is it easier in this circumstance from a crisis communication standpoint? I understand your point. In typical crisis situations, there's a victim and a villain. Yeah. And sometimes the company is the villain, and sometimes the company is the is the victim. That dynamic is not present, at least not yet, in this uh, in this situation. I don't know that the clients we've been advising over the past week would agree with you that they're getting a free pass <laughs> or an easy ride. Yeah. Well, you know, you in the context with which I explain, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I think it's different than yeah. a lot of crisis communication. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is not so much explaining um, what happened and what a company did to prevent it or fix it or or make it better. It's more a matter of this is happening now. We are all in this together. Yeah. Here's how we're going to pull through. Yeah. And I suppose that some of the challenges, every 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 industry has its own challenges, whether it's a restaurant, which is just you know, tough, tough scenario, or the manufacturing company you mentioned, which and which has to balance right between employee concerns and and need to deliver a product that the public needs, right? And then you were telling me before you came in, or just as you were coming in, you were wor- uh, working with a, a utility company. Tell us about that. We uh, we have been working for more than five years with a with a utility company in the Rocky Mountain West, and their their interest right now is how can we help in the communities where we provide utility service? What are their needs? How can we help? And it, it's not they're not approaching it from how can we get credit for what we're doing. How can we be a genuine partner to the community? So what does the school district need? One of the markets that this utility serves is a, is a, a impoverished community. How can we help them? Mm. The children in this, uh, in this community, many of them rely on getting meals at school. School is closed. What can we do? What are we doing for our small businesses? So how can we, how can we help? We'll worry later about getting yeah. credit for it. Mm. Speaking about, you know, sort of carrying on and, and doing business, the, there is also a need to carry on and do business. I mean, especially when I think about B2B companies that are grappling with, you know, how to carry on. And, and you mentioned a good example of balancing work, worker safety um, with 
needed production. And, and I also think about companies that are just wanting to continue to do some business some way during this whole thing. And think about like the sales thing, for example, like there's a proposal that needs to be followed up on, or there's a contract hanging that just needs like a client approval. And, and we can't act like it's business as usual, but we still need to do business. What's your take on how to manage that kind of communication? You know, it's not business as usual, and it won't get back to business as usual, likely for a while yet. Should I we hope, quit doing I, business? And I, No, absolutely not. You know what? This, this situation is a great tribute to the um, creativity and originality and problem-solving ability of the American business community. At least that's what we're seeing with, with our clients. The rapid shift from on-premise dining to off-premise, the quick shift from classroom instruction to online only, the ability to keep meeting client commitments for yeah. particular products, great tribute to American business leadership and Colorado business leadership in the way yeah. that, that companies are balancing those concerns. You know, balancing, even when it comes to messaging, is super tricky. I've been watching, knowing that you and I were going to be talking about watching sort of emails and subject lines and stuff. There was one subject line, which hip, I just put my head, my head in my hands. I'm like, really? It says, you know, we're, we're giving back um, to serve our clients or something. And it's just, it's like, I know what this guy's trying to do. Essentially, he's fumbled it in my mind because it's really hard to get, as you pointed out with a utility company, it's really hard to take credit and be generous at the same time. And I think companies are struggling with that. I, I think that's right. That's a very that's a very difficult balance to to strike. When in doubt, put the emphasis on how are we genuinely helping and what actions are we taking? How do we do the right thing? And let's worry later about getting credit for it, if at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I'd, I have to ask this, and I mentioned I was going to ask this um, because I've I've been seeing I've been seeing humor around the coronavirus, and like for example, a tweet day two without sports found a young lady sitting on my couch yesterday. Apparently, she's my wife. She seems nice. <laughs> and, and another tweet, like, friend in California unsuccessfully trying to get a test for coronavirus. Department of Public, Public Health asks, have you been to any countries experiencing an outbreak of coronavirus in the past two weeks? Friend, yes, the USA. So, I mean, <laughs> these are funny yeah. things. But, gosh, I'd be worried to use any humor in a corporate setting. And you would be right about that. Now is not the time to be using humor in your communications. People are losing their jobs. Their 401ks are being badly hurt by the craziness in the financial markets. People are getting sick and dying. And so now is not the time to try to be funny. Human, yes. Approachable and relatable, yes. Funny, no. no. Now is not the time. Yeah. And so, in, you know, it struck me that maybe individuals can get away with that. Companies, stay away. Yeah. I want to remind listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Paul Rabb, managing partner of Linhart PR. Please go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you finish this episode. And you know what? I was just, as I was reading that, thinking, was that tasteless to do that? during this conversation where you said, worry about getting credit later? I think that you said something earlier about how we still need to do business. And and my hope, and I'm sure yours, is that our conversation here genuinely is helpful to, uh, yeah. to listeners. So. Yeah. 
Well, good. Thanks for that. Getting back to um, continuing to do business, I want to ask you another couple questions about that. Is it okay in a crisis to follow up on a contract that was pending? Or, you know, let's just use that as an example. Contract pending, supposed to close, want to get the work, don't want your client to forget or think that you didn't care, but you also don't, right? What do you do? I think it's it's situational. I guess there could be circumstances where you need to put that on on pause, depending on Do you the tell situation. a client? Do you say, I am interrupting? I mean, do you tell the client, hey, I know this contract was supposed to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not following up while you're following up. I mean, that is such a, a tricky dance. I would err on the side of proactivity and make sure that you are able to continue doing business in a respectful way without um, putting yourself at the top of the client's priority list. All business leaders at all levels have so much on their plates right now with business continuity and crisis response and, and so on. And so you need to be sensitive to that. But if getting a contract signed is going to help your business move forward and help you keep your people employed and genuinely provide value, to mm-hmm. the client or, or customer, you have to do that. It's your obligation mm-hmm. as a business leader. So that's what, what just crossed my mind as you were saying that is that if it's in the client's best interest, of course, that's easy. You said you needed the, you needed these Clorox wipes. I got to get your signature to send them to you. That's easy. Um, if, if the message is, look, our people want, we need to keep our people busy. We're being faced with the same concerns as you are. Your contract can help us keep people employed. Is this something we should continue to talk about now or wait? Would that be an appropriate way to say it? I certainly wouldn't lead with that, and I don't think ah, that's what you're. Okay, so how would you do it? I don't think that's what you're suggesting. Well, if we're doing if we're doing business, I need to put your needs first and let you know that I'm putting your needs first. And if I were trying to uh, convince you to move signing my contract a little bit up your priorities list. I would find ways to point out how it benefits you rather than talking about how it benefits me and my ability to keep my people working. Hmm. Kind of moving towards how you do all this stuff. There are some skills. I mean, everything we've been talking about requires skills, experience, sort of knowing, uh, sort of like if I were going to, my car's broken, I don't do it. Um, Same with PR. Um, That raises kind of two questions in my mind. One is if you're an entrepreneur, you can't afford an expensive PR firm. I mean, what... What do those kinds of people do? I think that, uh, first of all, I would say that there's a lot of value, whatever your, whatever your budget, there's value in seeking outside expertise and figuring out how can I get what I need by way of insights and strategy and, and expertise at a, at a price that I can afford. And what's the, what's the downside of not seeking that, right? What's the, what's the opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. cost? But I think there are resources available for people who need help and uh, who don't necessarily mm. have the, uh, the budget to afford yeah. it. Um, the Public Relations Society of America website has resources available, not just for members, but, but for others. That's yeah. one good example. Yeah, and I suppose in, in today's day, there are probably freelancers out there that could give you some useful advice, at least get you further than you could go by yourself. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. There's also uh, uh, advice online from PR practitioners, hmm. uh, including, for example, a, a blog post that I wrote on crisis communications in the age of coronavirus at www.linhartpr.com. So, cool. Shameless well, plug. Yeah, that's all right. Um, it's out there and it's useful. Uh, and and we're going to be partnering on some communications around that too. So, that's right. you know, to the extent we can provide this, um, I think it's a good service. Then there are people who can't afford 
your company or others. What role does a does a seasoned sort of communications person internal have to steering how the messaging goes? I think the the internal communications leader, the corporate communications yeah, leader, yeah. first and foremost, needs to marshal all of the resources, internal and external, that that the company will need to respond to a crisis. Crisis communications is a is a team sport. Hmm. It is a it when practiced at the highest level, it is multidisciplinary. It takes into account operations and HR and legal mm. and supply chain. If you are the VP of corporate communications, you've got to get that group around the table yeah. uh, with all the right internal players and decision makers as well as outside help. Yeah. Then you need to provide some guidance and direction and explain what is it as we navigate through this crisis together, what is it ultimately that we're trying to accomplish? Yeah. You need to keep the team on task. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Moving into sort of our wrap-up phase um, and keeping focused on the theme of this Proco 360 podcast, world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado, how do you feel the approach to PR or even crisis communications with Colorado companies and grounded in Colorado, does that differ from what you see in other places around the country? I think so, Dave. I think that the Colorado business culture is, is different. Colorado is a place where Business leaders genuinely do put people first and attempt to keep people's interests, employees' interests, uh, and, and customer interests in the in the forefront, no matter how stressful the mm. situation. If that's if that's where your values lead you, then you'll make different kinds of business decisions. Yeah. So I do think that that Colorado is Colorado businesses are approaching this and thinking about it a little differently. Hmm. Well, and and that leads me to the final question, which is that you told me when it comes to PRs, let values be your compass. So leave us with some more thoughts about that. I think that's right. When when there's chaos all around you and when things are moving so fast, as a, as a business leader and as a communications leader, you have constant decisions to make hour by hour throughout the day. And sometimes you are balancing conflicting interests and the best way to figure out how to balance those and where to emphasize is looking at your values as a company or, or as a brand. Public relations, when, when practiced at, at its highest level, it's all about winning trust and engagement by right behavior. Hmm. And so your values help dictate what is right behavior. So right behavior, though, we're talking about communications. That's saying what, that, that's, those are words. Behaviors are actions. So to what extent is crisis communication about words and to what extent is it about action? Well, it's about both, of course. The, the best, I would argue that the best communication leaders and, and PR practitioners, as I said, not only help you figure out what to say and how to do it, but help you make sometimes difficult choices about yeah. what to do by helping you look at the long-term implications of the path you're choosing. And that's really all about having values be your compass. Yes. So, and, and I guess that's good because the trends have been um, around, I think, doing business today, understanding and defining your values as a company. And that's a core way before you even start figuring out how to operate. That's at the core, isn't it? I think companies are being much better managed today than in years mm -hmm. past because values are a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, let's wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Paul Rabb, managing partner of Linhart PR. Paul, thanks. It's um, 
I think, a really useful conversation. Good. Thank you, Dave. Glad you're here. And listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Microstar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, Holland and Hart, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. Thanks to Click Studios for supporting this special episode. And a final thanks to Matt, my engineer here at Third and James Studios. He gave me a thumbs up. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Thank you.